Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back together with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, did you know we're still suffering the fallout from that winter freeze back in February? Especially Texas citrus growers down in the Rio Grande Valley. They'll be feeling the effects of that for the next couple of years. We'll have more on that later in today's show. Plus, we've seen a nice rally in the wheat market over the last week. It's mainly because of the condition of the spring wheat crop, and that's been supporting all of our wheat prices. We'll check into that story as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Typically, when we discuss bugs and crops, we're talking about a problem in the fields. But there are bugs that are friendly, and some of them are really helping out in the fight against the sugarcane aphid in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Army worms creating havoc in Central Texas fields and lawns. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Well, the hottest month of the year is here, but it might not be as hot as usual this year. Tom Nicoletti has more. Temperatures in August are typically the highest experienced across Texas in a 12-month period. To talk more about uh, the August uh, forecast and a quick uh, look back at July is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw from uh, Fort Worth. Tom, uh, July certainly uh, brought some precipitation much needed for the state of Texas. Well, it's great to be with you again, Tom. And uh, you're right, we were very fortunate during the month of July. We had generous rainfall across a good part of the state. Anywhere from four to eight inches of rain fell across the central, southeast, and, and southern parts of the, the Lone Star State. And even folks out in the Panhandle and, and, the, and the Western Plains were uh, fortunate to receive several inches of rainfall as well. So rainfall totals anywhere from 200 to actually 300% of normal for the month of July. So very, very unusual and uncharacteristic for what is typically one of our driest months of the year. Yes, and that rainfall certainly was beneficial for uh, livestock producers, uh, cattle grazing uh, across the countryside, and uh, the row crops that are still out there that still need uh, growing time. But uh, now we're heading into August, and August is typically uh, the hottest and maybe driest uh, time of the year. And so what's on the forecast radar there? 
typically, year in and year out, the month of August does tend to be the hottest month of the year for the state of Texas. There are some rather encouraging signs, though, that seem to suggest that perhaps it won't be quite as blazingly hot across the state as we might have seen in previous years. There's some indications with the long-range models that perhaps temperatures will be a few degrees cooler than normal during at least the first half of the month of August. And so we can cross our fingers that while we'll still probably see some 100-degree readings across a good part of the state, perhaps we won't be stringing together too many days with temperatures above 100 and across much of the state, and we'll actually be able to stay mostly in the 90s and perhaps even the upper 80s, where we may be fortunate enough to see some rainfall in some parts of the state of Texas. Yes, rainfall certainly would be helpful uh, in the month as, right now, lawns and uh, and pastures are quite green across most of the state. That's right. Right, right now, we're very, very lucky that the Texas Drought Monitor is showing um, normal conditions across virtually all of the state. The only area that's got some issues right now is just the uh, Big Bend region around Big Bend National Park, seeing D1 uh, category conditions. But everyone else is is relatively back to normal, thanks to the generous rainfall that we received back in the uh, month of uh, uh, certainly May, but also June and, and parts of July. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw from Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sugarcane aphids are showing up in sorghum fields all over Texas, but growers have a lot more ways to fight them now than they did just a few years ago. James Hunt explains from Amarillo. Things are a lot different now than they were in 2015, the year the sugarcane aphid first arrived in our area and became a menace to area sorghum fields. In the years since then, the threat imposed by the aphid has declined, as farmers have been given more resources, like a growing number of pesticides and the development of sugarcane aphid-tolerant hybrids. We've talked about those things before, but here's something I learned in my recent conversation with Blaine Reed of Texas A&M AgriLife. Reed says farmers are also receiving help from a bunch of friendly bugs that have gradually become allies against the aphid. When we have an invasive pest come in like that, certainly as strong as that guy, it takes a couple of years for the environment to kind of find the balance. And I think we finally found that. We've seen our beneficial populations really respond to this guy in the past few years. Reed, who is the Integrated Pest Management Agent for Hale and Swisher Counties, says the list of beneficials that prey on sugarcane aphids is pretty extensive. Several species of ladybugs, surfed flies are outstanding, uh, your nabids, uh, your damselbugs, minute power bugs, they're all a key factor. I would say maybe the green lacewings with their larvae. A lot of folks will call those guys aphid lions. They can eat a lot of sugarcane aphids. Based on earlier forecasts, we remain optimistic that any issues sorghum farmers might have with sugarcane aphids this year will be on the light side. But it's nice to know that nature is providing some assistance in defending area fields. Coming up on our next report, we're going to talk about another kind of threat, crooks, and what the hot item is right now when they're looking to steal things from farms and ranches. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas has gotten a break from the frequent rains that the area had experienced earlier in the spring and summer. Tom Nicoletti tells us fields in the Central Texas Blacklands are now drying out. We go to Dr. Shane McClellan now in Waco to give us a report on Central Texas crops and uh, 
livestock conditions. And uh, here we are at the end of July, and it has certainly turned hot and dry across uh, this region and and most of Texas, for that matter, with the triple digits either already occurring or will occur. Tell us about uh, the fact that uh, the row crops in Central Texas are, are drying out. Thomas, sure are, and it, we should expect it this time of year, but it's still- Still seems somewhat of a surprise, just such a, a rapid change from being cooler and wetter to hot and dry. Just a just kind of a, a big switch, so not overnight, but within a couple of days, it really has gotten hot. And you can see the the difference in the crops out in the fields. Corn is starting to become yellow, firing up from the ground up, as we say. And then the grain sorghum is starting to turn a little bit. Of course, grain sorghum is colored, but uh, the leaves are drying down and cotton has really jumped. Just extra heat units out there, it's really growing. And uh, some of the plants are kicking off squares because they just can't handle the load that they've got on them. And really, this is an extended growing season, Shane, because of uh, all the rain that was received earlier in the in the year. The growing season's gotten a lot longer, it seems like. Not always, but a lot of the times we're harvesting corn second week in July. And this year, it's going to be the first week of August before we really start getting into fields. I've seen some areas, some lighter, shallower ground where the corn plants seem to be drying down a little bit more. Probably ran out of water earlier, but everything's going to be be coming out and ripening here shortly. These 100-degree days are about to be 100-degree days and just hot sunshine with not much cloud cover. Sure dries everything out. And because of the cooler growing conditions over the last several weeks, couple of months, it's created some unseasonable issues and problems for uh, farmers and ranchers out in their uh, crop fields and in, in the pastures. There have been several things that have came up that kind of surprised some people, took them off guard. They weren't ready for them and weren't expecting them. Only worms being one of them. Uh, you, you see a hay field, it's fine, go back three days later and, you know, two-thirds of it's gone just due to the armyworm pressure. Typically, don't see them in middle of July, end of July, but they've been pretty bad. Not only in in hay fields and in pastures, but also just in lawns. See a lot of spots where armworms have come in and almost overnight take over a hay field and do a lot of damage. Yeah, and uh, people's uh, landscapes and their lawns, various diseases uh, in their plants at this time that uh, normally they don't see, right? That's correct, and a lot of that is just from having so much water. Uh, you wouldn't think about having problems from, from a lot of water, but a lot of our plants haven't been able to pull up nitrogen because of the water being so wet and damp, and then plants have run out of nitrogen, and you probably didn't put out a, another application of nitrogen in some of those areas, especially in a lawn, so you're seeing a lot of yellowing in these leaves due to them just running out of nitrogen. See some diseases just popping up some fungal diseases in some lawns due to being really wet and damp and then uh, drying out. Losing some moisture, those plants seem to be much more susceptible to disease. Okay, Shane, thanks a lot for that report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan. He is with uh, the Texas AgriLife Extension Service uh, in Waco reporting for us today. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Red snapper season in federal waters is closing. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses need to be cooled properly after exercising. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. 
Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Horses need to be cooled properly after exercise, so what are the best methods of doing that? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips. Horses working in Texas with the hot and humid conditions can struggle to lower their body temperatures, and prolonged increased temperatures can lead to heat stress, brain injury, and heat stroke. Commonly used methods of cooling horses include applying cold water, sweat scraping, walking, and placing horses under misters and fans. In 2019, an international equine organization advised against scraping horses' bodies after hosing with cold water because it wastes time and you could be applying more cold water. However, in 2018, the Thoroughbred Racing Association in Australia recommended scraping water off. The most effective technique is not known, so a study was performed in Australia to determine the best method. The study was reported in the horse publication and involved three cooling methods of walking for 10 minutes, applying 8 gallons of cold 43-degree water every minute for 6 minutes, and then walking for 4 minutes, or cold water application followed by scraping every minute for 6 minutes, then walking for 4 minutes. Horses were then allowed to stand for 40 minutes while temperature was measured. Results indicated that applying cold water without scraping was more effective than scraping. The study showed there was no cooling effect of scraping following rapid cold water application. In the study, the horse's body temperature dropped and continued to drop as soon as 10 seconds after application of the cold water. When the water was scraped off, temperatures slightly increased. So it appears that constant contact of water is the best method of decreasing body temperature and using the scraper is not helpful. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Red snapper season is closing in federal waters. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. After being open for more than two months, private recreational red snapper season in federal waters off the Texas coast ends at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday, August 5th. Red snapper season dates for federal waters are set by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department through an agreement with the National Marine Fisheries Service. To determine when the season ends, TPWD uses data from creel surveys, historical landings, and angler reports on the iSnapper app. Each year, the season ends when the state reaches its allotted poundage for the year. So again, private recreational red snapper season in federal waters ends at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday, August 5th. Red snapper season in state waters is open year-round. There's a four-fish daily bag limit with a 15-inch limit out to nine nautical miles. According to the Heart Research Institute's Great Red Snapper Count, there are 23 million red snapper in Texas waters. TPWD reports that is significantly higher than previous estimates. And speaking of fishing, there is still plenty of time for you to land a fish that could earn you a new truck and boat, ATV, or scholarship. The Coastal Conservation Association of Texas Annual Star Tournament is underway now and runs through September 6th. Dylan Sassman, assistant tournament director, says funds raised through the tournament benefit coastal fisheries. After the freeze, the big push has been the hatcheries, getting fingerlings in the water. In normal years as well, we're doing habitat projects constantly, just helping that resource any way that we possibly can. You can register at startournament.org. That is startournament.org. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market wrapped up the week, closing lower on Friday. Cotton and grains moved lower also. We'll take a close look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw lower prices in most of our agricultural markets to wrap up the week on Friday. Cattle futures finishing lower in both live and feeder cattle. August live cattle dropped 42 cents to close at 122.07. The October down 95, 127.20. December down 62 cents. 132.65. Same story in the feeder market. August feeder cattle down 32 at 158.17. September feeders down 15, 161.80. October down 15 cents, 164.05. Cash fed cattle trade wrapping up a fairly quiet week. We had very light sales here in Texas. The prices were all over the place depending on where you were in the country. We saw prices in the 119 to 120 range here in Texas, and as you move north, prices moved higher. We saw live sales as high as 125 up in Nebraska and Iowa. But back here in Texas, again, most of our cattle selling at 120. Light volume reported this week. Texas cattle feeders reporting only 2,844 heads sold on the cash market. Boxed beef was higher on Friday. Choice up 360, 27882. Select up $1.59 at 25841. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I've been lucky enough to talk to Roy Wheeler, the granddad, Jim Wheeler, the son, and now Gus Wheeler, the grandson, running Atascosa Livestock Exchange, Pleadenton. Gus, how'd the sale go this week? It was very good. The market was super strong. We had a few dollars more on cows than we did last week at $1.40. We had 318 total head with 50 cows, 12 bulls. 147 steers and 103 heifers. Let's walk the pins, Gus. The best packer cow brought 80.50 and the best packer bull brought 99 cents. Steers, two to three weights, brought from 150 to 188. Heifers, 140 to 167. Three to four weight steers, 165 to 185. Heifers, 130 to 161. Four to five weight steers, 150 to 180. Heifers, 125 to 159. Five to six weight steers, 135 to 170. Heifers, 120 to 155. Six to seven weight steers, 125 to 160. Heifers, 105 to 145. Seven to eight weight steers, 115 to 137. Heifers, 90 to 120. Eight to nine weight steers, a dollar to a dollar sixteen. 75 cents to a dollar on the heifers. 
Tigers. What do you know for next week? Uh, we don't have anything planned. We plan on working some cattle, so we'll have 30, 40 head there ourselves. Should be a run between three and 500 again. Gus, tell everybody how to get a hold of you or your dad. You can reach us at the sale barn at 830-569-2516. We appreciate you. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you and see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Finished lower on Friday. August hogs down 10 cents at 106.20. The October down 95, 88.02. Class 3 milk was slightly higher. August milk up 2 cents, 16.24, 100 weight. The cotton market putting in a lower close on Friday. Pressure coming from position squaring here at the end of the month, as well as some profit taking. And that moved our prices back below 90 cents. October cotton down 93 points, 89.83. The December down 92 at 89.39. The corn market closing lower, feeling the pressure from rain. We're definitely in a weather market right now. And the rain moved into South Dakota and Minnesota on Friday and across the rest of the Midwest, Iowa and Illinois, through the weekend. And that pushed the corn market down on Friday. The September down 11 cents, 547. December corn down 11 and a quarter, 545 and a quarter. We have seen a nice run-up in the wheat market over the last week, mainly because of big crop concerns with the spring wheat crop. And, of course, that has spilled over into the winter wheat markets as well. Things quietened down on Friday. We finished slightly lower with September Kansas City wheat down one and a quarter, 673 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down one and a half, 703 and three quarters. Rough rice was mixed. September unchanged, 1368 a hundredweight. The soybean market lower, November beans down 28 and a half, 1349 and a quarter. August soybean meal down 390 at 352.60 a ton. In the energy market, September natural gas down 13 cents Friday, 392. September crude oil up 32 cents, 73.94 a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower on Friday. The Dow down 140 points at 34,944. The Nasdaq down 107 at 14,670. The S&P down 23, 4,395. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Sure hope I see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.